Welcome, 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 and welcome to the adventure of an entrepreneur, the podcast that dives deep into the world of entrepreneurship. We're going to be hearing the stories from entrepreneurs from all over the world in different industries. They're going to be sharing with us the stories of how they faced setbacks, walked through fire, climbed mountains to reach success. I'm your host, Sri Mahabir. You know I love bringing on different guests, learning something new, and definitely if you are someone who wants to understand how does legal, technology, all play a role in your business, why do you need to understand its impact? Well, guess what? My guest today is a legal advocate, a writer, an author of the legal tech ecosystem, and his name is Colin Levy. But before I bring him on, my name is Sri Mahabir, and I am a video marketing producer who loves bringing on guests so that you can learn from them. So let me go ahead and bring up Colin Levy. Thank you so much for being here today. So let Thank me you for you, having me. You're welcome. So let me ask you this question. What is one thing that nobody knows about you? Uh, unless you know me really well, I would say that one thing probably that most people wouldn't expect out of me or know is uh, I'm a huge horror movie fan. Um, I absolutely love horror movies, um, particularly um, gory ones. <laughs> um, I just I, I I just find them very entertaining. Um, and I'm consistently impressed by the level of special effects expertise that is often displayed in those movies. Um, so, yeah. I've never thought about looking at it that way, but I do laugh at them just because it takes a lot to scare people. It's regular shows where you're not expecting anything to come out that the person comes in and you're like, I wasn't expecting that. Or, you know, the different the shot that comes in, you're like, wow, they did all of this makeup to make this happen. That was some real, like, you have to think about what were they thinking when they were writing this exact scene. So let's get into learning about you. And you just recently released the book, The Legal Tech Ecosystem. And so the first pair, you know, one paragraph that stood out to me was the practice of law attracted me because I saw the role of a lawyer as a puzzle solver, fitting different pieces together. So I have to ask, at what age did you realize that you like putting pieces together? I think when I was very young, I always liked building things. Um, I had Legos, I had Kinects, uh, which is kind of like a technical version of Legos, I guess you could call it. Um, I also had... Um, other other thing other um toys that i used to build things together so i always did like to build things but i realized also i was more about building things kind of from my head as opposed to like some kind of construction person um and so as i learned more about the legal space i realized that building things really are kind of what lawyers should be doing because they essentially are providing solutions to people, but those solutions are composed of different steps and different ways to get from A to B. 
So that's sort of really putting together kind of a journey of a process, a puzzle, if you will. Um, so, you know, I didn't occur to me when I was young that that meant, you know, join, becoming a lawyer, but I did realize that I was just very cerebral and very into sort of thinking things through. And so for that reason, you know, the log appealed to me. It brings me now into like you talk about it in your book where you go into how you were working for different companies and you were seeing how the different functions work together, but they weren't really working together. And in one part, you you couldn't even understand the contract. You were like, I don't really understand this, meaning like the word the wordings that they use or certain things. And you went to the business leader and asked. Can you help me understand what this means? So I wanted to ask, like for you, you you took the you took the step and you went and asked them. But how many times did you have that happen until you decide enough is enough? I need to talk to the person. Yeah, um, you know, I think that the first time that occurred to me, I I sort of thought to myself, well, this is a little strange. I'm not sure I feel for, fully comfortable even proceeding. So I then kind of wanted to ask more about what it, uh, what it is what I was looking at. And then I realized that a better approach rather than just waiting for the contract to come to me and then asking a question would be to be more proactive in terms of trying to ingratiate myself with the other functions and really get a sense of kind of what they're working on, what they're thinking about and build relationships with them that then could be used to help me be thought of as someone they should go to to kind of discuss things with before they sent me the actual agreement because that way I can be more proactive. I understand and expect the contract to come through. Uh, and, and moreover, I can understand kind of why the contract is structured the way it is. And so that's generally the approach I take going forward is to build these relationships with other functions to get a sense of what they're working on uh, and and know and let them know that I'm there to help them be supporting what they're trying to do, and I want to be proactive and not reactive, which has traditionally been what a lawyer has done is reacting to situations as opposed to being proactive. But I think clients uh, for a very long time have wanted lawyers to be more proactive as opposed to reactive with respect to their issues. But it's a two-way street of building that relationship first. So you know, it makes me wonder. You bring up a really good point. We want the lawyer to be reactive, be proactive, not reactive. So when you're working with a with a lawyer, whether it's in a your company or you hired one, what are some things that we should keep in mind so that we can have that kind of proactive feeling from our lawyer? Well, I think it it comes first from understanding. Um, you know, finding the right lawyer for you. Um, and, and for me, that would be someone who listens more and talks less, i.e. they listen to what you have to say. They ask questions, but they ask questions after they've listened to everything you've had to say. So that would be the first thing. The second thing, I think, is understanding that um, even if something seems relevant or seems like, oh, the lawyer probably doesn't want to hear about this, share. The more you share, the more context uh, you can provide the more helpful the lawyer can be with respect to being react uh, proactive as opposed to reactive. Um, and so even if things don't seem like they're relevant, you never know. So sharing more rather than less is super important. 
and also giving us, you know, and, and this is, I think, incumbent upon the lawyer so much as it is incumbent upon the, the client to kind of just have check-ins and understand where things are going, how things are going, and what's kind of next so that the lawyer can be on top of things that are coming down the line. I love that you brought that piece up of the lawyer saying, you know, obviously as the person we need to be reaching out, we need to be providing the information, but you brought up a really good point about how lawyers should be kind of asking the questions, what's next, which kind of helps me see that you have to have a love for curiosity and you have to have a love to see, you know, what being inquisitive so I would love to know in your experience, because there's always the best time when this has been your, you know, I'm so glad that I was like this, but there's always been also a time where it backfired on you. So when was a time where you were just a little too curious and a little too inquisitive and it backfired on you? Sure. Well, I can't say it ever entirely backfired, but what it often has resulted in is more work for me. Um so there have been plenty of occasions, including one I, I remember distinctly where, you know, they're talking about kind of working on a future product enhancement and me being curious was asking, you know, questions about kind of what they were thinking, how they were putting together, um, you know, what they were planning to do. And that led to me then having to develop, develop a whole set of policies around use of this future product enhancement uh enhance you know working on our privacy policy even looking at our master subscription agreement as well to kind of revise it accordingly so you know i think that while curiosity has never killed me like it killed the cat although i don't think that ever happened because cats are very smart and pragmatic um and sneaky uh i think that um you know it often does result in more work for for me which is which is fine um, but it is, uh, it is funny how that, how that happens, how, you know, every time I ask a question, it ends up creating more work for myself. But honestly, I would rather, much rather be doing that proactive work again, rather than trying to clean up a mess that was created. I didn't know about and now I have to clean up. You, I love, and I, I will say this a lot because I'm learning and I know many of my listeners and viewers are also listening. And I want to say hi to Garen. Thanks for joining us. But the thing is, is that we don't ask enough questions. Like we're here running a business, whether you are an entrepreneur, a startup, or you're working for a company, you kind of assume things. And when you don't, and sometimes you have to wonder, why are you not asking the question? Because it's either going to come back on you through not asking the question, or you just get it over with in front. So I would love to know at, when did you find out that it was better to, I want to say like, how do you coach people to understand you need to ask these questions? Because I think that what happens is at least in my part, we're scared. We're just scared to ask. Yeah. Well, I think, I, I think, you know, that, that fear you have to get over because at the end of the day, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> so, and we don't, we all, none of us knows everything. So I think there needs to be kind of an acknowledgement of that. And in understanding that uh, if we feel like 
we're uncomfortable because we don't know enough, that should tell you, you should be asking a question. In addition, um, if you, you know, are just curious and want to learn something more, what, what harm can come from wanting to learn more about something? If nothing else, it'll be something new you learn that may or may not be helpful to you. And at best will be something that'll be very helpful to you that you didn't realize you even needed to know. So ultimately it's really about you being open to learning and growing. And that comes from knowing that learning is a lifelong process. It never stops. And we don't stop unless we ask questions and we need to be asking more and more questions. And if you have any questions, guys, definitely drop them in the comments. If you're catching the live, the replay or listening to this on the podcast. So you talk about four, sorry, five different myths in the book. And I just thought it was really, really interesting because it talks about uh, myth number one, legal technology is AI. Myth number two, legal technology is about robots. Myth number three, legal technology is panacea. Legal uh, Myth number four, legal technology is only suited for large legal departments or for law, or large law firms. Myth number five, legal technology is the sole driver of change within the legal industry. So, you know, I got to ask this. Are these questions that people came up to you and said, is this true or is this things that you've kind of like heard in conversations or seen on social media? Yeah. So these myths came from my experience of working with others and seeing how they approached uh, technology and how they approached uh, change and how some tend to view um, technology and legal technology. And I think it also stems from the fact that there just is so much noise on social media around all these things, technology, legal tech, AI, and kind of I see my role and, and, and others as, as ways to kind of cut through that noise and speak the truth about all of this. Uh, and so th that's where those myths come from. Uh, and I wish that they were now fully debunked at this point, but uh, I still see uh, some of them coming up again and again, because there is this tendency, especially now with generative AI, to kind of want to chase after the next shiny thing. And that may or may not be the best tool or thing to be pursuing, given what you're up to. Well, let's take let's take this time to debunk one of them. And I love that you said in there, you know, legal technology is AI. So why is this a myth to begin with? Sure. Well, legal tech is far more than just artificial intelligence tools. There are plenty of other tools that exist within this space that can handle automating documents, that can handle um, getting analytics from case law, that can handle legal research, helping you draft briefs, uh, helping you manage your contracts. There are all these tools that can really help with all these different things, and none of them are solely driven by AI. Now, AI can perhaps enhance some of these existing tools and that likely is what is happening now but these tools existed before ai and were quite useful and productive so there's no reason for people to conflate the two um you know will ai change or impact future legal technologies of course just like it's changing anything else but these tools existed and more tools will exist going forward that assist with all these different things and more that aren't solely relying on or even use AI. 
And I want to say hi to Yolanda. She's joining from the YouTube channel. So if you are having trouble commenting on LinkedIn, you have an option. You can go to my YouTube channel where this is streaming. But going back to what you were saying, I have all all of these things came up of how as a business owner or if you are a solo, you know, you're a lawyer that has their own practice. What are some things they need to keep in mind when it comes to AI and in their business? I know that a lawyer will draft their contracts properly, but for a business owner, they're <laughs> if they're trying to cut corners, they might use AI to create a contract using AI. Well, I think the, the bottom line with using AI is um, knowing, first of all, what tool, what AI tool you're using be understanding that its data is limited and especially so when it comes to legal matters, which is not to say that lawyers or other legal professionals shouldn't be using AI. They definitely are and should be, but that it may not necessarily be one and done. And that I think is the general theme to take with AI is that it's really great for creating kind of first draft things and helping kind of do tactical repetitive tasks. But it's not, it can't do everything well at this point. And so I think the bottom line really for business owners is to be open to learning and experimenting with AI and using these solutions, but using them in ways that aren't necessarily detriment that aren't detrimental to their business, meaning experiment, try things out, see what happens and learn and iterate and go forward. Because we're all learning as we go along here. And AI that exists now is not going to be the AI that exists six months from now. Absolutely, because thing even when we look at ChatGPT, we can see its evolution from when it first started to even now. It's not the same. Even the interface looks different a little bit. But I want to get into where can we grab a copy of your book? Absolutely. So Amazon is definitely the best way to grab it. Uh, it as I have learned, Amazon is available in most locations, although apparently. Uh, not yet available in Africa yet, although allegedly they're opening up um, a Amazon South Africa and I believe one other country in Africa as well next year, hopefully soon, because uh, I had none of our people from uh, South Africa ask for the book. Um, so that will be happening. But the bottom line is it's available on Amazon. Please check it out. It's you know really intended to be a accessible, high-level introduction to this world. So it's not technical. And it is not intended to overwhelm you. It really is intended to pique your interest in the space. And I definitely got a copy of the book and I was reading from it. That's how I was able to ask some of these questions because I love, you know, diving into it. But also, I didn't want to give all the juicy stuff away. And yes, it should be AI. It should be used as a tool. It's not to be sitting there and doing our job. We should also put our voice. So I want to take a little bit and have a little bit of fun with Colin. So there's this trend going on TikTok and that is, and I've even seen it on Instagram where they will ask what is, you know, take a certain word or a phrase and legalize it. So it's just a fun play. And that is, I was talking to Colin about it. And so I said, I asked him, how would you legalize this uh, phrase? My mind is blown. So I will do my best here. I would say that with this new information, I now find my perspective has changed. And accordingly, I now will need to adjust my behavior and perspective 
and I appreciate the context that has now been provided to me. You make me sound so smart if I actually said all that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just words, words, a lot of words. <laughs> it's using the right words, which also helps you to create this beautiful book that you have, your blogs, and also for, you know, when you're not doing law and you're not writing a book, what are you doing? So I um, do a little bit of skiing. Uh, I like spending out time and time in the outdoors. Um, I spend a fair amount of time um, acting as a servant to the cats that we have, uh, making sure they're happy, which is a tougher task than one might think. Um, I also enjoy uh, playing video games. Uh, you might see a keyboard off to the side here. That's for um, a gaming computer I have that I use solely for playing video games. Ooh, what are your favorite games? Uh, so I play a variety. Um, right now, um, one of my favorites is a simulator. It's a city simulator called City Skylines 2. So I use that. Uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, one of my favorite games I've played has been um, Resident Evil Village, which is a horror survivalist game, <laughs> not for the faint of heart, um, but a lot of fun um, and challenging. Uh, so those are the, the types of games I like to play. I also tend to like to play um, open world uh, narrative driven uh, games. And see, I mean, you are just like everybody else. So if you are playing one of these games wondering who is this person, now you know if you but I, I bet your your screen name is a whole lot different than what your your actual name is. So I can understand they wouldn't. It know. is it is a little bit different, although it is tied to my name in some ways and also tied to a nickname I had in college. Oh, so now it's real. It's now it's getting real that we're all curious, but we're going to leave that suspense. And I'm what not we're sharing. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say thank you to everybody who joined into this live. Thank you, Colin, for coming on. And guys, if you haven't known, I already put the link to grab a copy of his book. It's actually very easy to read, very uh, informative. You get to learn more about Colin, but also just learn like why this is important in learning about legal technology, how it plays a role in your business, or if you're working for somebody. And if you have questions, thank you, Yolanda. If you have any questions, definitely, you know, you can message Colin, let him know you heard him on this show or podcast, or just, you know, drop your comment below because I'll make sure that Colin answers your question. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you found it very helpful, share it with a friend, share it in your social media. Until the next time.